Well, hey there. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Whatever you're doing today. I thought that I would give you my contribution towards uh, helping your head stay on straight, if you will. For a lot of us, the holidays are a super trying time because we do, or somehow have to get out of, interacting with our families. And you know, it can leave you in a pretty strange place if you're anything like me. You might actually have some of the worst days of your life while the rest of the world is supposedly pretty peaceful and joyous, so great for them. In the spirit of all of that, I thought, um, I'm not doing anything better today. I should go ahead and push out this episode early so that you can listen to it before, during, or immediately after your family festivities this year. It might be something that you need to hear to keep yourself from kind of spinning down the drain again, if you have experiences that are anything like mine. So here's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm recording right now with shitty headphones, but the rest of the episode is with my normal microphone, and I'm just going to push this out for the next two days for the holidays here early, and then I'll take it down and republish it when it's supposed to come out next week, which literally is my own fault for just not planning better. I could have easily reversed the order of the episodes, but... um. This year's been a bit batshit for me personally, and I lost the ability to make these long-term planning decisions that make a lot of reasonable sense, I don't know, somewhere around July or August. So, trying to do what I can do here on my holiday, which has so far been spent alone, hanging out in nature, and the rest of it will be spent the same Cheers to you if you're in any kind of a similarly isolated situation, and uh, you might find out that it's actually for the best. For me, anyways, that is the case. So happy holidays, motherfucker. If you have a traumatic family, you might want to hear this traumatic family information, and it might keep you from sinking before the next year even starts. Great. Happy holidays. I hope this helps, and I will catch you in a few weeks here when we celebrate the new year. Cheers, fuckers. So, considering that this is a long conversation around PTSD, but specifically complex PTSD, you might be surprised that we haven't really covered something crucial here yet. The actual source of this trauma, where is all the family abuse and neglect talk, some of us might ask. Mm, You know, it's not exactly the point of this little series here right now. What happened is valid and it needs to be expressed more often than not. Your emotions are relevant and correct. Your struggle is not less than anyone else's. But... We're not here for trauma porning or drumming up anger at the moment. I don't want to live in emotional cycles from the terrible past. This time we're really trauma brain educating, taking the neural trends caused by trauma into mind, discussing the ways to change those patterns, and then moving forwards with the lives that we actually want to create. But, you know, that being said, we've all been there. 
If you do want the stories of individual sources of mental health degradation, you might want to hit up the older episodes in the show backlog catalog, which is housed at patreon.com slash traumatized motherfuckers for five bucks. So yeah, sexual abuse, addiction, neglect, religious indoctrination, narcissists and groomers, it's all there. Today, what I want to discuss is a broader look at the way that these sources of trauma, generally our caregivers and closest companions early in life, impact our brains, including in the original upsetting event, in the ways that our brains are developed and patterned as infants, and down the line when we are back in the clan presence after possibly even years of successful trauma recovery. Why did they impact your head in the first place? How much so, and in how many ways? And how are they still hijacking your brain box to this day? Also, why? Why are they like that? Why can't they see you for who you are? Why do they insist you're someone or something else? Why are you the black sheep bobbing around? And is it possible to move forward with a family that's rooted in the past with a still there, don't care attitude? Lots of questions. Let's get answering them. So first things first, your family did not have to be outright violently abusive to cause developmental abnormalities, trauma programming, or just unhealthy thought patterns in your head. They really just needed to be emotionally dysregulated, distracted, fearful, or full of contradictory information themselves. So as babies, we study our families from the moment we're born. As we're engaging with them, trying to establish a connection so they don't leave us to be eaten by predators, we're developing our tiny little specialized areas of the brain. For example, if they're emotionally dysregulated, unavailable, fearful, or frightening to us, those traits are going to impact our half-baked threat detection, emotional regulation, and sensory information recognition areas for life. They aren't fully developed at birth, and they're waiting for environmental cues during critical periods early in life to finish organizing and assembling. Meaning, right off the bat, we can wind up with weak emotional regulation centers because our caregivers were all over the fucking place, and somehow it was our job to reverse comfort them. Plus, they probably weren't providing any examples of reassessing and regulating brain reactions, such as screaming and panicking, in order for us to model better brain behaviors. So in this case, we're also biologically trained to be hypervigilant for potential dangers because every moment of the day holds the potential for a sudden household upset. So we learn to upregulate our fear responses and downregulate our ability to filter out stimulatory information from our environment via those compartments developing or not developing. On top of that, we probably don't think that it's a good idea to properly filter out unnecessary stimulation after all of these events because so far everything we've seen was deemed maybe important 
in our troublesome first days on the planet. And we're also used to analyzing everything from like 50 different perspectives. All of this being said, are you a highly sensitive person who gets overstimulated while constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop and having large emotional responses to things that don't dictate such reactions as you obsessively check for evidence that everything going on is all your fault? Well, there you go. Now you know why. Your brain compartments didn't get organized or developed the right way because of the cues in your environment when you were first born. But besides these brain region development challenges, there are tons of other ways that our tiny young brains are impacted, such as being sympathetically anxious or parasympathetically depressed dominant. Being prone to stress responses after repeated exposures have sensitized our little systems and having very easily autonomic nervous system deregulations. We can also have language development delays and other cognitive tics that might be conducted through the anterior cingulate cortex, such as presenting with ADHD or OCD early in life, developing schizoid patterns, or being suspected autistic. Quasi-autistic, it's called. Yeah. All of these are actually considered to be genetically enabled but environmentally caused mental health disorders at this point in our understanding of psychological disorders. Perspectives are a-changing, and we need to catch our parenting perspectives up with the new scientific evidence. So, already, a pretty bleak outlook, huh? Just from a... If humans aren't connecting with you in a stable way from day one, your head is impacted potentially for life standpoint. Mm? Even those from a seemingly non-traumatic family might actually have been regarded as a being who wasn't able to form memories. So don't worry about how you act in front of them, interior decoration or Instagram model. And this brain matter matters early in life more than ever, whether or not that tiny human can create logical narratives or declarative memories about what they're seeing. Implicit memories, the foundation of all subsequent behaviors and beliefs, are formed early on. And it makes me pretty mad that we think children just somehow self-assemble into working grown adults regardless of what they do or don't experience early in life. But anyways, on top of the ways that our brain development itself will change based on our early environment, we also pick up on everything the people around us do and then stitch together some sort of blanket that we try to drape over our daily life. This is how things work. This is my place in the world. These are the ways to think, feel, and behave. So no pressure but kids are consciously and unconsciously seeing and encoding everything you're doing as possibly relevant and then solidifying those connections if they see repeat evidence of importance. They'll also build brains that model yours directly so you can interact effectively. More on that in a minute. But 
Overall, this means, unfortunately, that no matter how hard you try, you're going to turn out like your fucking family. I'm sorry. You will think like mom and dad. You will behave similarly to what you saw and received reinforcement for. You will engage with people in similar scripts to what your family utilized each day. You will believe the world and all of humanity is the way that they describe, respond, or bitch about. And this might be the most fucked up thing we've talked about on the show so far. You will only learn to have the emotional responses that they teach you. As in, you will still have a full catalog of biochemical reactions that happen in your body to elicit different emotional responses. But if your upbringing only taught you the emotions of rage, fear, and sadness, if you were only ever labeled in those ways or only ever saw those things presented and described, you will only ever be able to interpret your body sensations as rage, fear, or sadness. Functionally, that limits you to only really experiencing these feelings, even though you might have many, many more. So emotions moderate our experience between the physical planet and our inner world, which means in this way, your entire life experience is dictated by the emotional intelligence passed along by your family. And if that doesn't have you spinning out right now, this reiteration and reflective pause isn't for you. Emotions moderate your experience between the physical planet and inner world. So in this way, your entire life experience is dictated by the emotional intelligence passed along by your family. Seriously, think about that for a minute and consider, do I want to only be able to see and feel the world the way that they see and feel it? Because that thought personally makes me absolutely shake in my boots. Anyways, your brain is physiologically, emotionally, and cognitively defined by your early social experiences. And so are your behaviors, which are a combination of all three. Now, that's also very damning. Again, think of your family. Do I only want to be able to act and react the way that they act? I'm having some flashbacks here that tell me, oh, fuck no, and you might be on the same page. But the other ridiculously depressing and important thing to go back to with this aforementioned interpretation that we create about the world is these things become our core beliefs over time. The things that we've known for so long that we've heard so often or seen so many times that we just don't question them anymore. We don't even necessarily know that these beliefs are in our heads, just like you might not know if you have poor eyesight until the day that you get glasses. Core beliefs work like filters on our perceptions of everything that's coming in, jangling around in our heads, and then being put back out. So if your family has some fucked up analyses of life and methods for moving through the world, 
you're going to get correspondingly fucked up core beliefs. We talk about them in detail on the show. Again, check out that motherfucking backlog to find out how to identify and reprogram yours. But additionally, even our non-core beliefs, even our daily operational instructions and thinking patterns are going to be dictated by our families. And I mean to a degree beyond being little mimics and story actors, to the degree of forming the exact same neural structures. So like I said already, from birth we are biologically driven to match and predict our family's brain activities so that we can be on the same page. It's something called cognitive and emotional syncing, which we love as human beings because it reduces the requirement for mental energy. This means, by definition, that we try to trace, copy, and anticipate the neural structures of our early social influences, and we wind up with a lot of brain connections that align perfectly with theirs. The only difference between having a neural linkage and not having a neural linkage is thinking that way or not, experience something or not. Meaning once you have the thought, once you make the observation, even if it's subconscious or inaccurate, it's in there, cataloged somewhere in your brain, until you starve the cells enough to reallocate those building blocks somewhere. So... I tell you this not to make you hate yourself for being like people you might have complicated, maybe hateful feelings towards, but because number one, you really need to stop seeing your brain as you when it's more of a conglomerate of other people's nonsense at this point. Number two, if you want to know why you get stuck in relationships and social circles that strangely mimic your upbringing, even on some subtle level, It's this. It's biology. You connect with people with similar brains, and your brain is similar to your clan's collective brain. What's up with cyclical abuse? It's this. And number three, if you're wondering why your family is so uniquely capable of fucking your shit up and dragging you backwards screaming by 15 years with like five choice words, it's also this. Your family can hijack your shared brain networking. So let's have that depressing conversation next. To a shockingly literal degree, your family built the equipment that you run on. That means they know it better than anyone. They also taught you how to use that equipment, as in passing down the proper call and response of your brain to theirs, or your world to their world, and they rewarded you when you acted the way that they desired, and therefore your brain strengthened those linkages. So the bottom line when it comes to your brain encoding behaviors, if it wasn't reinforced, you wouldn't keep doing it. That is behavioral science. And you know what? They know exactly how to throw a wrench into that fucker. They know how to force you to engage different parts of your brain, different cognitive pathways, different emotional responses, because you built your machinery after theirs, 
and because you've been training together for years, learning how each person is going to react and influencing the likelihood that they do it again in the future with reinforcement or punishment, which has been happening for decades at this point. So why can your mom throw your brain right down a flight of stairs after you spent three years carefully building and climbing up them in therapy? It's because she still knows about this button installed on the underside of the equipment that's always created a destructive response that somehow benefited her, which was put into place when you were like four years old. She has the system destruction blueprints for your brain because, probably unintentionally, she drafted the whole thing. Remember our talk on compartmentalized dissociative neural network segments? You might even wind up triggered into activating one of these around your family, which will almost undoubtedly come with some shockingly childlike fear, emotional and behavioral responses, and might even include a complete memory blackout. So there you go. Family triggers and their ability to disintegrate your brain into dissociative pieces that wreck your progress very quickly explained. Now, the other thing to mention very briefly is... Your family was trained to be this way by their family. So uh, when we're talking about generational trauma, this is why. Just take this whole conversation back one stage of the family tree. The same thing happened there with grandma and grandpa and your parents. And then step it back again and again and again. Epigenetics and the transmission of behavioral learning have been creating your family brain for all of human history. Now, I know I keep saying one more important thing here, but one really important thing to mention here to tie up this whole talk. It's the other, other thing to realize as you're recovering. Unfortunately, your family might not actually want that to happen. It's actually threatening for us to see our thoughts no longer align with the thoughts of our clan. That narrative is going to be something like, their brain is changing, that means their life is changing, and that calls everything we've been living by into question now because we aren't transitioning with them. So... If you're making recovery efforts in your life, but you're feeling strangely hated for it, if you get the sense that you're being dragged down instead of supported by loved ones, if you find yourself feeling black sheeped or sabotaged by your own bloodline, historical best friends, even your romantic partner when you thought that they would be happy for everyone involved since you're actually happy for the first time, well... It's because your neural alterations are creating a fear of abandonment and maybe a personal awareness response in them. They might be questioning how they've done things their entire lives and feeling like you're moving on without them, slash they're also regretting decisions that they've made by not being able to see things more healthily or clearly the way that you currently suddenly are. And the result is unfortunately trying to bring you back down into the old way of thinking 
where it's comfortable for them instead of them rising up to meet you in a different place that would actually benefit everyone. And how are they going to do that? Shame, criticism, emotional destruction, life destabilization, recruiting agents to double down on the pressure, threats, or even just completely outcasting the person in question. Does that sound familiar? Have you ever been attacked or pushed out of one of your social networks? Well, it could be because you were being a dick. Let's not disregard. If you are being survival activated, sometimes the problem is you. But it could also be because your brain is now breaking the spell of the echo chamber that everyone else has been living in. To uphold their own self-protective delusion, you might need to be taken down. They might do anything possible to knock the recovery off of their cognitive and emotional high horse in order to bring them back down to the accepted baseline standard of lying on the ground in earthy excrement. As long as they can force you into a historical role, even if it's one that they claim to hate, such as you being an addict, being dramatic or sensitive, or being dysfunctional to the point of relying on them, that's actually more comfortable because it's more familiar to them than the alternative option of you getting better. Sorry, I know that this got really dark and depressing again, but um, it's something that a lot of us notice and it's something to chew on, especially when you're ne- neck deep in recovery and you find yourself regressing in the midst of your supposed loved ones. Sometimes the only solution is a hard one to cut out their psycho-noxious and cognitively manipulative influence so you can deactivate those toxic brain pathways and finally build better ones. We call this going no contact. If you are in a position of reanalyzing your family narratives and learning outcomes, you might want to head into the Traumatized Motherfuckers private community for more support here. You also might want to hear the full research episode that led to this very brief summation here. They're available in the Traumatized Motherfuckers backlog catalog through patreon.com slash traumatized motherfuckers. And I'm telling you, they are both dense and eye-opening in a way that might shake your whole life so far. Um, after my past year of Baba black sheeping all over Northern Illinois, This family of origin obstacle has been detailed in a lot of ways, and uh, as you might imagine, it's because there's some clan resistance to me hmm, having a complex trauma podcast where uncovering unhealthy trends and recovering trauma brains is the main event. Pretty threatening in a lot of ways. And yeah, as a result... I have had to go no contact with the help of the motherfuckers who I met through this project. Talk about community healing. They have reverse supported the shit out of me, and they might be able to help you in the same way. So check out those resources and rest assured that at least you're not the only one. No matter how often your family tells you that you are a unique case of being irreparably busted turns out. No, there are just a lot of us with shockingly similar family members 
romantic partners, workplaces, and ex-friends, you are not alone in looking at your history of socializing and wondering, what the fuck is wrong with me that all of these toxic relationships end up being so tumultuous, rapidly transient, and thrown in my direction when it comes to anyone having any responsibility? Well, there is a fairly good chance it's not you. It might be the family programming in your stupid fucking brain. So let's keep working on how to change that rather than focusing on the generational narratives that got you all fucked up in the first place. Till we start doing that next time, cheers y'all, and let's create some better networks between your ears. Bye.